Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hello, Channel Pros. Welcome back to Channel Journeys. This is your host and Channel Chief, Rob Spee. Happy St. Patrick's Day to all of my Irish listeners and all of you who just love dressing in green or drinking green beer. Whatever you're doing to celebrate, thank you for listening to Channel Journeys. We hit a big milestone this week, 50,000 downloads of the Channel Journeys podcast. We've had 10,000 downloads already this year, which is more than we had the entire year of 2020. So fantastic to see all that growth. Who knows? We might just break 100,000 downloads this year especially if you'll share Channel Journeys with all of your channel friends. Thanks again to Allbound, the sponsor of Channel Journeys. I had the pleasure of having lunch this week with Daniel Graf Radford. He's the CEO of Allbound. We talked about the explosive growth they are seeing around the world and some exciting things they're working on, but I was sworn to secrecy not to share them with you yet. Channel automation, it's a very hot category, and everyone is looking for an efficient and powerful system to manage the entire ecosystem of partners. Allbound is the maker of a world-leading partner portal that more and more vendors are relying on to manage their diverse partner ecosystem. Allbound is fast and easy to set up to manage your dealers, distributors, VARs, and agents, as well as OEMs, ISVs, and system integrators. And their user interface makes it really easy on partners to collaborate on things like co-selling, co-marketing, as well as helping them ramp up on training and certifications. Allbound has best-in-class reviews for user experience, ease of use, and customer support, and you can check them out at allbound.com. Speaking of partner ecosystems and automation, today's guest is an old channel friend of mine who launched an exciting company called P2P Global to help vendors and partners connect with each other and build a trusted network. You know, it's almost impossible for any one partner to develop all the skills and expertise that customers need in an integrated solution. John Guido, founder and CEO of P2P Global, is solving this problem with an innovative partner marketplace. Are you ready to hear how partners are orchestrating their own partner ecosystem? Let's go. Hey, John, good afternoon. Welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. Thank you, Rob. It's a pleasure to join you and really do appreciate the invite and opportunity to chat today. Yeah, well, this is pretty funny. I think it was, I don't know, over 10 years ago when we first met, and I think I met you in that IBM boardroom with that big round table where we used to have those distributor meetings. Absolutely. Yeah, back in Armonk at the uh, board meeting room. So you, that was a long time ago. It seems like a very long time ago. <laughs> doesn't it? Doesn't it? Things were quite a bit different if you think about the, the distribution and, and uh, channel environment back then. Yeah, some some things seems like never change, and other things it's like changing every day. It does, and uh, you know, back then I was I was at Arrow. You were managing Avnet. We were big competitors against each other, and now we're kind of on the other side, viewing distribution probably a bit differently, and and the role of distribution is changing as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it continues to evolve, and they recognize not only do they have to serve suppliers of theirs, but downstream bring more and more value to their channel partners. And uh, that, that's a moving target, right? <laughs> it is a moving target. Well, the reason I wanted to get you on, I was really excited to have you on the program, is talking about ecosystems. And ecosystem, man, it is the buzzword of the channels, right? It's everywhere. It's all we're talking about. It's kind of like digital transformation a few years ago. Everyone's talking about ecosystems. I've got more guests talking about ecosystems. It's clearly the direction that we've got to go. And, and I'm curious in hearing your view on this, and you 
we're a little bit ahead of the curve, I think, when you were setting up your company, P2P Global. But what's kind of your perspective? And I know you talk about a closed ecosystem and an open ecosystem. Maybe we can start there and just talk about what's the difference. Yeah, I think maybe defining you know, an ecosystem business model is worthwhile just to kind of start it off. Level set? Yeah. I love what uh, recently E&Y came out with their CEO imperative, you know, and they kind of define, you know, that as a very starting point. Everybody has been talking about ecosystems and from different perspectives, but, you know, it's all about partnerships between two or more, right? That create value and more value than any individual on its own. And these ecosystem business models, if you would, they, they co-create product services, you know, they market to a common customer or customers, and they share this value that they generate. But behind the scenes, so another buzzword that keeps on going around is the orchestrator. And one of these participants needs to be that ecosystem orchestrator and coordinate the activities. I, I think of that as kind of the, the quarterback, right? But that's, you know, when you really sit back, it's the real basics is it's all about being the trusted advisor to your end user customer. You're coordinating behind you an ecosystem to bring more value. So from my vantage point, you know, an open ecosystem is being able to get access to all types of players, whether, you know, it's, it's not brand specific, it's not distributor specific, right? It needs to be ability to be able to partner with folks who don't look like you, right? Because you're bringing in complementary skills and competencies that really be able to bring in that value. And, you know, there's, it, there's a lot of buzz out there, not only about ecosystems, but now what ecosystems bring, you know, cost reduction, more revenue, being able to bring more value. And, and I think that's that's so absolutely so key. You know, it's interesting too. You mentioned that EY report bringing this up to the elevating it to the CEO level. You know, we're always trying to get our CEOs thinking about partnerships and channels, but now it's ecosystems is becoming a business imperative. It, it absolutely is, and if we think about combining that with the IT industry facing you know major skill gaps, especially around new technologies and. I think we would both agree that specialization continues to be on the rise. No one business partner solution provider can can do it all, right? So you combine that with a skill shortage and users, customers have skill shortage. They're going to rely on the channel in many instances. The channel has skill shortages. They're relying behind the scenes, you know, a stable of other partners that have those skills, a fancy way of saying an ecosystem, Right. And now the question is, is how do folks harness that opportunity? You know, we believe that leveraging an ecosystem and having an ecosystem approach is a competitive advantage, pure and simple, because you're bringing more value to your customer. You're elevating that trusted advisor role. And in the long run, you're going to retain or attract more customers. Now the question is how how to go get that done, right? So if I'm a vendor, you know, a lot of channel chiefs, channel managers listen to this podcast and and I go, hey, I've got resellers, I've got some GSIs, I've got some RSIs, I've got some MSPs, so I've got an ecosystem. What's missing? And I think it might be that orchestrator element that you mentioned. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people talk about, I want my partners to partner with others to bring more value. There might be a supplier that has a component of an overall solution. So they know that there's practical, right? 
my partners need to partner with others. They get it. You know, you start looking back and say, how are you enabling your partners to do that? Are you even putting incentives? And I, and, and Rob, you, you're closer to what some of the suppliers are doing out there relative to incentives. I've been away from that for a little bit, but I don't see a partner to partner incentive stack to drive that type of behavior because it is driving the behavior. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think conceptually, when I talk to the principals of, you know, many, many solution providers, the owners and the senior executive team, they get it. And they, they understand that a partner partner leveraging an ecosystem to bring more value to their customers makes sense. But culturally, is the channel prepared for that? And, and no matter what tools, you know, we have a tool set, obviously, but no matter if it's ours or others, people need to ad- adopt to actually use those tools and put the leaders in place. There has to be the right incentives, both internally, right, with the, within the partner, with the suppliers, with the distributors, and then all that needs to line up. So going back to this idea of open and closed, is it accurate to say that a a closed ecosystem would be, okay, I've got these different partner types, but they're not working together. They're, they're not aware of each other. They don't know how to reach out to each other and really see who's out there in the ecosystem to start promoting and fostering this healthy P2P partnering. Yeah, think of a closed ecosystem in one way. If I'm a large supplier that believes that they have a diverse set of offerings there's a view that would say, I want my partners to partner with my partners. The challenge with that can be a lot of those partners look the same and they're fierce competitors. On the other hand, think of it from an end user perspective. They're looking for true diversity. They're looking for the IBM partner with maybe AWS skills because they've selected a different route for for cloud implementation. So the IBM partner who's that trusted advisor for the customer in a practical sense, for them to bring real value needs to bring AWS skills. Well, they're not going to partner with just another IBM partner. They're going to need to partner with somebody with AWS skills, which is maybe doesn't have an IBM relationship and therefore might not be a fierce competitor. It's, it's, we're seeing a lot of diversity. And it's not just you know different vendors, but if you think about who's in your stable of channel partners, you might not have DevOps guys. You know, you might not have agencies that specialize in marketing. And when you look at these IT projects, it's not just about a vendor, supplier, if you would, offerings. It can also include those guys that are bringing in engineering skills. So when we say partner to partner, it's not just about partnering to partner because of, you know, a supplier's offering. It's really the skills and competencies that they have that's complementary. Yeah. And I, I liked what you said, you know, talking about kind of crossing. We have these, you know, our own vendor borders. It's like we work with our partners. They're, they're, they're maybe loyal to us. Maybe they have some competing solutions. But it, like you said, they all kind of look alike. They all represent us. And we don't, I think many of us aren't promoting that partnering with somebody else's partner and kind of crossing that demarcation line. Right. And it, it all depends on the, the solution. The more, you know, more complex the solutions are, which are typically bringing in more value, more margin and revenue, the more complex. If it's easy, if it's a commodity, there's lower margin, but the higher end, more complex projects do require that diversity of skills. And there's not a lot of channel partners that have that level of diversity and therefore partnering. Clearly, even interesting enough, even some of the very largest partners that we work with sometimes are saying, I don't have the bench 
And I need to complement that with an alliance with somebody I can work with. Working with good culture fit, there's trust and confidence. It's not just about that they have the right skills. It's that they know how to play in the sandbox. I like to call it the ecosystem sandbox. They know how to partner. And there's a lot of you know articles and other podcasts associated with what, what does it really take to be in to enable and to have you know successful partnerships. But there's a lot to that. There is. So this ecosystem orchestrator, let's talk a little bit more about that because you know, from a vendor's perspective, we think of ourselves, we've got to be the orchestrator. But I think you have some other ideas too of, of different players, even partners perhaps can play the orchestrator. Well, it's interesting because a traditionally a partner could come back to a supplier or in many cases to their uh, distributor who they have, by the way, great relationships with and provide great value. But they could be coming to them and saying, I need an engineer to install 100 licenses of Veeam. I'm, I'm making it up. And the vendor and or the distributor in this case could play that orchestrator for them, which is high value in servicing their channel. The question becomes is how efficient is that? Are they picking up the phone and, and calling their favorite guys that have service capability, service delivery providers? Are they waiting for a return phone call and then getting them to say yes or no and then calling the next one? And the question becomes is how fast can you get that executed? So if you put the empowerment or enable your partners to actually be self-serve, let them orchestrate the ecosystem and get access to those skills. Not that it cuts them the guy out, right? It's not cutting the, the vendor because the vendor is always going to be successful if, if more sales are happening. The distributor is going to be more successful. This is all about making their channel healthier, stronger, more competitive. So putting that in the hands of the channel partner and allowing them to orchestrate their own ecosystem to me is very efficient. And Efficiency is really important in today's business, right? Yeah, efficiency and speed. Like you said, if they've got to reach out to the DISTI or to the, the supplier, the vendor, send an email, make a phone call, the back and forth, you know, now you've maybe lost a day or two in, uh, in something the customer's wanting to hear back on. So I'm guessing this is where P2P Global comes in. Right, right on. You know, we, we, we saw that this is a large market. It's, it's growing. Channel participation is strong. There's a skill gap. Things are getting more and more complex. No one partner could do it all. And when we start going down that stream, right, we know that partner-to-partner engagements has been going on forever. When we were in the boardroom, Rob, right, we used to talk about, you know, how do we get our partners working together? And it was very ad hoc. It's not like this is a new idea. What we looked at from, from our platform standpoint is, could we have a platform approach to make it automated and bring a level of efficiency and really focused in on responsiveness, speed, that expertise discovery? How do you build a platform where folks would want to join and there's trust and confidence? And in the end, scale. We know it's been going on from an ad hoc standpoint. You know, there's a, there's a lot of folks with spreadsheets on, on how to manage this. So all we're doing is taking that and putting some automation behind it. Everything from, you know, how we curate to the email triggers and, and all that good stuff. What's changed? You you launched this about three years ago. What's changed when you kind of had the initial vision to what you're seeing happen today and maybe even opening up new opportunities? So we, we'd like to say that we were born in the channel. 
were very solution provider centric. So what we did is, since I came from a, a vendor perspective and working with distributors, you know, my, my success was all around working with the solution providers, channel partners. So going around asking channel partners, a lot of roundtables and soliciting, what would this need to look like? So we built this and try to make it as bulletproof as possible and really hit on their needs. Because if the channel partners don't see value in a platform for enabling a partner-to-partner approach, it's a house of cards. You know, a vendor, we could make this more vendor-centric and it would be more of a CRM system. It's not, right? This isn't about reporting on your transactions or you don't be able to close it this quarter. This is about enabling our partners. The guys that create a opportunity on our platform are very sensitive and comp- about confidentiality. We don't collect end user information, as an example. The responders that we curate that are best matched don't know who the opportunity creator is until they are selected and they enter into a partnering agreement. So there's a lot of elements that we focused in on that was very solution provider centric. That's why I, I kind of coined that. But what I found is now that we have that established, other use cases are happening. Services orchestration, as an example, we partnered with, with Arrow from a distributor standpoint, and they bought off in this concept of saying, instead of us taking opportunities from our channel partners, and they have a network of service delivery providers, and in a way, manually managing that, why don't we allow our partners to self-serve? So we're bringing in not only their traditional channel partners, but we're bringing in a set of their service delivery providers that have very, very deep skills. In essence, giving their channel partners direct access to these service delivery providers. To me, that's new. And when we created the platform, we we didn't have that laid out as part of the business model. Early on, people told me, you're going to start one place and what it ends up is going to be something different. And And it continues to evolve. And then Likewise, we could do the same for, you know, a particular vendor. So if a vendor is looking at doing lead passing to their partners, we can orchestrate that to them. They can say, I want to send it, these leads to the best sorted partners and curate the best match in our platinum level. Or that's kind of old terminology, right? But it could be for these service delivery providers because they have some services that needs to get a you know, accommodate me for an end user or for one of their other partners. Interesting. Yeah. And it's, I love that you're working with Arrow going back to our story of how we met. And uh, it was Mark Taylor who, who brought me to the boardroom there with, with Arrow. So it's, it's not surprising that he's supporting this. Yeah, no, Mark's great. And, you know, I have great relationships with, with all the distributors and we'll continue those di- dialogues with them too. But Mark was the first one to embrace an open ecosystem and this concept. And, you know, the way he put the challenge to me was, Let's see how this rolls. You know, we're going to get this position with their channel partners, and we are seeing a lot of uptake. So it's it's been a very positive journey. Journey, and it's fun because we're getting new partners that are not just coming in. And there's a lot of partners that will come into a platform like this. Say, where are my leads? You know, <laughs> it's like that's the number one everybody wants that. And I go, oh. yeah. How long have we been hearing that one? Right. Where are my leads? Where are my leads? And I go, well, think about it. If The primary reason we built the platform is to solve for skill gaps. And there is a channel partner, the best, right? They are the customer facing players that are working with end users. They, that is fully qualified types of opportunity. When they tee up an opportunity, it is 
a real lead. <laughs> I mean, these guys need the resources. So, you know, it is a lead generator, but I always like to lead, <laughs> pun intended, right? Lead with, this is all about solving for skill gaps. So th- this came up in a conversation I had this morning internally at Beyond Trust, and we were talking about, okay, we've got a, not just a lead, we've got a, a real opportunity. We need a partner who can provide the services on this opportunity. Sounds like that's something we could tee up in, in your system in P2P Global, and then partners could actually see it and respond to that quickly, that they, want, that they have the skills to, to fulfill that need. Absolutely. So you can do that multiple ways in our platform. One, if you can have your partners tee up the opportunities directly in our platform, that's pretty straightforward. That's how we were built, partner to partner. But you as a supplier or vendor, if, if you would, we would consider you a technology partner. You could sponsor partners onto our platform and you could categorize them. I'll call it into A, Bs, and Cs, however you would like to categorize them. Maybe these are service delivery guys. You know, maybe these, these other guys are your traditional bars. You know, some of these are referral-only type partners. Whatever classifications you would like. And then you could either pass leads directly to selected partners within our platform or you can basically have us do the curation for you and say you want us to curate the top five within your A's. And we would basically look at your total portfolio of partners and match those up. What's nice about that is it's all email triggered. So you get confirmation that you sent out an opportunity and created it. When those that are matched respond, you would get the email that said you have a response. You would be able to look at how they answered. Did they put in answer the screening questions? Did they include responses to your scope of work? Did they have clarifying questions coming back to you? All automated. And in, in a way, you think about it, that process can happen within hours and literally does versus days. So resp- if responsiveness is important to you, not only finding the right, but doing it in a very fast manner, it's a, a nice approach, if you would. So this all sounds great. Let's talk about maybe when things don't quite work out. You, you're kind of like a dating site, you know, you're matchmaking. What are some reasons why when that first date doesn't go well? You know, the partners meet up each other, they want to work together. Are there, are there things that you're seeing, maybe some common mistakes that, that partners are making in this P2P? Yeah. And some things have evolved. So when we built the platform, we were always thinking that this would be for a very tactical need. I have a qualified opportunity and I have immediate need and I got to find somebody to solve this for my customer. Well, a lot of times what we're finding is it's not qualified and therefore setting expectations for the opportunity responder is very keen. In fact, coming out of our members' recommendations for enhancements, we now classify the opportunities into three categories. One, it's a qualified opportunity. I have an immediate need. Two, I have a opportunity, but it's not qualified. Would you be willing to help me qualify it? Or three, it's for business development purposes. And business development, that's a pretty broad, right? Now, that could be, I'm going to an event sponsored by a distributor I want to meet with three partners, but I don't know which three partners to meet with because I'm trying to form an alliance for my go-to-market strategy. We could serve that purpose. Or I have a set of customers and I know I need security skills. I don't have it. I want to go ahead and form that alliance. So diversity of 
the types of opportunities, what we found was a challenge was really level setting expectations. The other challenge that we have is making sure that the customer, if you would, and our customers are the channel partners, have the appropriate and accurate profiles. So we categorize the partners' profiles within our platform, of course, basic company information, locations, the type of solution provider they would like to to classify themselves as, are they minority owned, the skills, you know, predominantly around infrastructure, services, development, cloud security, data, business apps, you know, subcategories, all that good stuff, their vendor relationship certifications, industry expertise, and the list goes on. Having that accurate because the way we connect folks is really in an automated way is against their profile. Well, there's always coaching. Do folks misrepresent their capabilities? That could cause a challenge or underrepresent right, their capabilities, and they're not being pulled into opportunities. So we continue to look at, you know, and share best practices associated with that. Likewise, it sounds, John, sorry to interrupt. It sounds just like what we look at as a supplier or vendor when we're looking for partners. And if we treat partnerships just at a transactional only view, kind of one-offs, that doesn't form a good partnership. And if we don't have a good fit, you know, we we talk about ideal partner profiles. If that's not a good fit, it's not going to be a good partnership. Right. And that builds trustworthiness, right? And folks always ask me, well, how do you police the ecosystem? You know, how do you, how do you get rid of the bad apples? And quite honestly, number one, I don't see bad apples in, in the sense because if somebody's joining, they're joining for a purpose, you know, and they're going in eyes wide open. So it's like-minded, you know, companies, if, if you will. But that being said, folks could create opportunities that are not very clear. You know, that's why we're allow- we allowing our responders to ask clarifying questions. Hey, that scope of work isn't clear. So best of breed practices, clear, easy to understand. What are the needs? What's the timing? Is it urgent? Isn't it? You know, you, you could actually put a non-binding budget in because folks want to know is a $10,000 deal versus, you know, $100,000 deal is, is quite a bit different. So setting expectations right and, you know, that we many times have to do a little bit of coaching when we see kind of, if you would, behavior that could be quickly improved that'll help both partners out. Yeah. So really, your solution, P2P Global, is an orchestrator. The partners can act as orchestrators too by using that. Distributors are acting as orchestrators. I think the channel manager role is evolving more to that orchestrator level as well. So there's not, maybe the answer is there's not one single orchestrator. That is absolutely true. You know, I, and if a, Supplier vendors literally sponsoring partners onto our platform in a way they're orchestrating and then they're enabling their partners. So it, it is, you know, a level of orchestration across the board. I think you would find it interesting that we really only facilitate the partnerships. We're not involved in the transactions and the deals themselves. That's between, you know, whether it's between the supplier and their partners or between the partners themselves. One of the things that's really very interesting at the end of the rainbow, we go back. And we asked, would you endorse the skills of the partner you worked with? And we build that back into our members' profile. And they build up, if you would, endorsements. And you can use that as a criteria for when you're looking for a partner, you want to know that they were endorsed. And it's not just about that they have the skill. But as I said earlier, that they know how to play in the sandbox. They actually know how to partner, which is a little bit of an art, as you know, because that takes relationship skills. And we, we love that 
And we're seeing more and more of that, the endorsements, which is very nice. And it's a very much of a compliment to the partners. And the more they get of those, I think it's just a, a great, great reference. Are you seeing more partners hire partner managers or alliance managers on their team? You know, I, I'd like to say yes. I have very few. Uh, it's interesting. We talk about who's, whenever we onboard, so onboard somebody, we go like, who's going to manage this for you? And there's, there's quite a range, right? And it probably depends on the size of the company too, right? So sometimes it's the sales manager, it's a services manager, you know, small companies, it, it could be the president. He's saying, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to manage this. Large companies, they have their reps involved. So we really do see a level of diversity. And I think there's hopefully over time, we'll be able to talk about maybe some best practices of how to implement this. But one of the things we do is, and you know, from the old days at IBM, you, you recognize we were always big into sales cadences. And whatever the cadence that a channel partner has, the one thing we want to provide them is kind of that dashboard. So if it's weekly, you're talking to your reps, you could pull up a dashboard. You're going to know who's partnering with who, what the status of the opportunity is, you know, what's the next action. So we give them a, a little bit of a metrics, if you would, a dashboard that they could always look at. Take not only are the ones that they're opportunities that they're creating, but the opportunities that they're responding to. Keep that. And we're trying to make that as like part normal part of business, which quite honestly, I think over the course of the last couple of years that that wasn't as much regular business. There's not a lot of partners, you know, five years ago that were thinking part of my cadence is who am I working with to satisfy my customer needs? And I think we're just starting to see that come into its own. Yeah. <laughs> Remind me a little bit of when you ask a partner who manages marketing for you and you, you get a lot of different answers. Right on. Absolutely true. So uh, is there anything else that partner managers or channel chiefs should know about driving this, the P2P ecosystem? One, it's, I think it's cultural. You know, it's have an open mind. It's pretty basic in the sense of folks are partnering with other partners already. If you could make that efficient, you know, and have a automated set of tools, it's going to benefit everyone. The cost is low, right? We're spending a lot of money on, you know, there's a whole bunch of articles out there on, you know, where's MDF going? If you think about leveraging and enabling your channel partners within an ecosystem to bring more value to your customer, what better use of MDF to drive demand? Because in the end, you're going to build a healthier channel. I look at it and I go, you know, we talk about it, but in the end, you know, we got, we have to help out our partners. And, uh, you know, while the uh, subscriptions to our type of platform might seem low, every dollar counts. And, uh, you know, that's something that vendors can obviously help out on. Yeah. Well, I'm eager to check it out, John. All right. So let's switch a little bit. Let's talk about John Guido. And I forgot to ask you, I think when I first started, I often ask my guests, so where are you hunkered down now? So two stories there. Number one, I just got a wine delivery and I am I'm down here in Florida uh, in uh, Boca Grande on the golf side. Two, your big dog that you heard in the background is my rescue dog. She is 95 pounds. She is uh, part new fee and part lab. Rescued her uh, early on in COVID and she's been by my side nonstop. So she's out there on the water with me goes fishing with me out on the paddleboard and all that good stuff. So Awesome. 
Well, I, I got to tell you, John, I'm intensely jealous. You're, you're down there seven months out of the year in Boca Grande. Kind of your old stomping grounds, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I told you that when we first moved to Florida in the 90s, we were in that little fishing town, Punta Gorda, and uh, we loved getting out to, to Boca Grande. Uh, it's a, uh, a jewel of a place. And if you're into you know, fishing and water sports and, and alike, it's, it's just absolutely great. I'm learning how to fish. I just I took some lessons on fly fishing and it's all, it's all good. You know, in between managing the uh, the P two P operation, of course. And you've got the like the tarpon capital of the world, right? Right, right next to you. Yes, absolutely. So, like, it is absolutely a fishing mecca. That's awesome. All right, so a little bit of history, John. How did you get in the channel in the first place? Was there a channel role before IBM? You know, I started with IBM and in a range of you know management jobs and alike, and grew up way back in when we had the old PC division, and was uh, you know back then the business unit exec, the buoy for Central Region. You know, and even then, it was such a very much of a business partner play. And then after, you know, doing a stint in New York, we created business partner regions. And I was one of the first executives to have old Central Region in Canada and the regional systems integrators. And then from there, you know, went into the old AS400, ran that for the Americas. Again, very, very channel-centric delivery go-to-market strategy. So I've gained a lot of friendships with many channel partners and then got more involved in, you know, global strategy around the channel and then managing, uh, you know, our distribution pieces and, and alike. But it, it was fun leaving IBM with an idea that was still, you know, grown out of the relationships I had back in the old days. And, you know, my advisors, many of them are channel partners today. You know, we wouldn't have built this platform if it wasn't for many, many good insights from uh, many, many channel partners that I know today. Yeah. Like you know, the channel, it's, it's a pretty small world. Great, great network of people. Just it's a, it's a big family. It absolutely is. It seems smaller and smaller. It's like I'm working with some folks. It's so funny. I'm working with some folks now that are, you know, senior leaders at a distributor as an example. And they used to be a rep on my team back, you know, five years ago. I am definitely getting dated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are. But man, what a, what a fun journey. And so what do you love doing outside of the channel, outside of work? Outside of work, you know, I'm a avid, uh, try to do quite a bit of pickleball. I love to bike, snowboard, fish, and my family, of course. You know, I, two, children, you know two children, both of them now have children, all COVID babies. So it's got kind of fun. So it's a uh, you know, being a grandfather is kind of like a whole new world for, you know, myself and for my wife, Katie. <laughs> well, I bet you can't wait to get those grandkids out on paddle boards. Absolutely. Rob. That'll be fun. All right. Awesome. John, thanks so much. It's been a really fun talking with you, getting you on the show. Thanks for sharing all these, these uh, ideas around the ecosystem and orchestrating and driving P2P, P2P partnering. So uh, a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Well, Rob, I, I really uh, wish you the best one in your new role because that's fairly new for you and, and you have such a great history. I know you're going to bring a, a lot of excellence to that team. I look forward to hearing more about that too over, over the course in several weeks and months. And thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to come to your podcast. You're very welcome. And I'm going to come see you in Boca Grande. <laughs> Sounds good. Man. Take care. All right, guys, there you go. A very fun conversation with John. I am a bit jealous of him right now, I have to admit, as we're going into another deep freeze here in Georgia while he's soaking up the sun in Florida. I am very eager, though, to take a closer look at P2P to build a network of service delivery partners and give them an easier way to find each other. 
Thanks again for listening, and thanks again to our sponsor, Allbound. If you're looking for an easier way to manage your partner ecosystem, an easier way to give partners access to all of your sales and marketing materials, as well as trainings and certifications, be sure to check them out at allbound.com. For today's show notes, just go to channeljourneys.com slash cj85. You can subscribe while you're there. If you enjoyed the show, please take a few minutes to leave a rating and review on your podcast platform. Be sure to share this with your channel friends. And next episode, I'll be talking with a channel pro from Down Under about growing partner ecosystems in APAC. Until next time, have an awesome channel journey. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends. And be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure.